All right, let's do this. Welcome to the On To Something podcast. My name is Zane Witcher. This podcast is for those who are walking in the first third of life or people who want to learn how to walk with those who are in the first third of life. If you're moving towards your 20s or your 30s, welcome. You're in the first third of life. Today, we are getting deeper into season number four. Season four is all about interviews. We're interviewing people who talk about or know or embody some of the foundational pieces to be thinking about and working on and dwell in when you are in the first third of life. Today, we're bringing on a guest by the name of Becca Turner. She is someone who was originally friends with my wife that she told me about in Nashville. I got to fly out with care to a work trip and I got to meet Becca and I learned that Becca was the real deal. She was also an Enneagram 4, so I had to watch out because I already got a lot of Enneagram 4s in my life. But uh, there's a couple of really neat things about Becca. First of all, um, she's very grounded. She's very mindful um, when she is talking about certain things. She works for a company that I deeply appreciate, um, which is Michael Hyatt and Company, which, you know, don't even get me started on that. When it comes to their philosophies and products, I could probably talk for days, but she works as an executive assistant over there, and we dive into that a little bit. Uh, she is as well lived in the Austin area, which I am from the Austin area, so that's just exciting. So we also have uh, both have Southern accents, which is just comforting that there's someone else out there that understands uh, me and where I'm coming from. So anyways, I feel at home with this one. Uh, she hits on a couple of topics that I want you to really hone in on. First of all, uh, she talks about just her past five years of being in the job world. She's worked for Michael High and Company. She's worked for If, Gap, if Gathering. And she talks about just the spectrum of different emotions and feelings that go through trying to start up your work career in the very beginning. Also want you to listen in on how she talks about waiting and processing. She has a lot of like really good stuff on journaling that I would listen in on because people don't talk about prompts are the ways to on-ramp you into processing and writing things down. Last week coined this really fun phrase called uh, the tractor supply season, which you're gonna have to be able to listen to know what we mean by that. And without further ado, let's hop into this conversation. Give our people the the basic the basic down low of you today. Then give them give them the the other than eating cookies and Enneagram four. Who are you a little bit? So I my name is Becca, and I live in Nashville. And I love music, so I'm usually always at not right now, obviously because of COVID nineteen. But I'm always at a concert. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an executive assistant, so my job is to help other people look good. And it's so fun and so rewarding. I do love cookies. I'm like a chocolate chip cookie connoisseur. It's like my favorite thing in the whole world. That and tacos. Mm. I I deeply respect that. Even like, and your reputation holds up to that because when Kara and I were in Nashville, you recommended the most amazing cookie place that it's, it's been a game changer for me. Completely. Cookies is like, yeah. oh man, top of the list. Probably like top five for me, for sure. Oh, oh Becca, I, I didn't even tell you. I meant to text you this when this happened. Someone who lives in Tennessee didn't know about that cookie shop. And I what? recommended it to him. <gasps> and I was like, oh, 
You just, you, oh, you fool. You don't know about Christine's cooking. And I like totally played it as like, I just knew. And like, I, I slightly guilted them for like not knowing. That's like, amazing. But like I, in my head, I was like, mm, Becca Turner, you are a saint. You made that happen today. <laughs> okay, Zane, I haven't told you this. So remember yeah. when you're in Nashville and that terrible tornado came through? It yeah. actually took out the Christie cookie like um warehouse in Germantown. So they for a while they couldn't ship cookies anywhere. Isn't that so sad? Oh my. I know. Oh my. Like wow. that is really just devastating. <laughs> oh, that, wow, that hurt my heart more more than I was expecting it to. I know, but I think they're back up and running. I've been talking I've actually I'm actually working with her because we send those cookies now as gifts. So part of my job is to send Christy cookies to people mm. after we work mm. with them. And she said that they're getting it back up and it'll be back running soon. But mm. that was just so devastating to hear. But oh, anyway. Your, your job is the MVP. There's no one more important than sending the cookies. There, there's absolutely <laughs> is it. And who, just for, just for people to be filled in, who, who do you work for on the lines of as an executive assistant? Yeah, so I work for a company called Michael Hyatt and Company, and my boss, who I assist, is the chief sales officer, and his name is Chad Cannon. So yeah, How never a dull moment. So I have been with this company for a year and a half next month, so it's flown by. It's been so fun. Mm-hmm. And this may, this may be a really easy time to just like, give, give us like what the past five years, like give us a roadmap. I mean, if we were to like Donald Miller, this would be like, Becca, give us the chapters, but like, like give <laughs> yes. us a roadmap of where you've, where you've gone. Cause this is a new transition for you with, I mean, I guess you're, you're, you're situated at this point with a year and a half, but like mm-hmm. you were doing some stuff up to that. So kind of like walk us through that journey. Yeah, so five years ago, I was at Auburn. It was my junior year. So I was War 2015. War Eagle. They actually say, like, I know Aggies are like, whoop, whoop. But, like, with War Eagle, I feel like I'm just disrespectful if I say <laughs> anything else other than just War Eagle. Is there something y'all do? No, that's great. You just say War Eagle. And make sure okay, you say right. it back if someone says it to you. That's part oh, of it. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm learning. All right. So, yep. Auburn. Yep, War Eagle. Um, (laughs) You have to say it back. Um, So I loved college. It was, I feel like junior year, I like was just starting to get my groove. And um, I was working for a church at the time. So I was an intern. I was on their intern team. And I was just kind of, I was freshly trying to figure out my purpose and um, what God had for me. And I was majoring in um, human resources and I was just loving college. I'd found my friend group. I kind of found my groove. And um, then it came time to graduate and I actually took an internship in Austin, Texas, which was, oh yes, which I didn't know. I didn't know anyone in Austin. I knew maybe one person. And so I ended up moving there and taking this internship with a women's ministry called If Gathering. And I'm sure no one has ever heard of If Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Zane, it was a dream 
I mean, yeah. I applied and it was just kind of like, I mean, maybe I'll get it by some miracle. And I ended up being chosen as like one of five girls. And I was like, I do not deserve this. This is insane. And it was just That's like awesome. this huge leap of faith that I ended up mm-hmm. taking. And um, I won't go into the major details, but I will say that it was like definitely an act of obedience. And um, it was really a fight to get there. But I knew that it was something that God was calling me to and that I had to do that. Um, so I ended up moving to Austin, um, in 2016 at the end of the summer and lived and worked with the same girls for a whole nine or 10 months of our internship, which was awesome. And we put on this event in February for women all over the world. Um, like hundreds of thousands of women were watching this, um, event that we were putting on in Austin at the same time. And it was just really powerful and cool. And that year was it was really good, but it was also really hard. Um, I think that I had a very glamorized idea of what women's ministry was and like going into it. Mm-hmm. I definitely had, you know, I had those, I had them up on this pedestal of like, you're perfect. You do everything. Right. I don't mm-hmm. want to be like you. And like that year turned out to be just this year of, um, it was a lot of refinery for me and it was really like the Lord kind of mm. pulling me aside and going like, Hey, you're broken. Even though you think you have it all together, you really don't. <laughs> and mm. it was much needed and it was really humbling. And I was kind of up on my high horse of like, Oh, I, yeah, I can go do ministry. I did it in college. People love me. Like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> and it ended up being a, like really just like kicking my butt. And huh. um, for lack of a better word and, but it was good. And the Lord met me there and really showed me more of who I was by, you know, showing me my sin and like calling me to this repentance of like, Becca, like you are broken, but you need me. And like, this is who you really are underneath all of that. And it was just really cool. So mm-hmm. after a really hard year, I was a little bit burned out um, mm-hmm. for ministry, just for a couple, you know, just different reasons that you get burned out mm-hmm. from that. It was really hard work. Um, so I went home for a little bit and I knew I wanted to live in Nashville. And so I ended up moving to Nashville at the end of that summer after being at home with my mom for a little bit and mm-hmm. mom and dad, I moved and I didn't have a job. I just was like, I'm just going to move to Nashville and figure it out when I get there. And so, um, yeah, so I just got an apartment and a roommate and I started applying for jobs and mm-hmm. I was running away from ministry, but I ended up in this weird turn of events getting offered this position um, actually with this um, woman who's in ministry. She wanted me to run it and be her assistant kind of. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like I came in late to the um, interview process and she was like, we want to move you to the front. Like you're one of our top people. And then ended up oh. offering me the position. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is the Lord. Like I was trying to run for ministry and he's pulling me back. Okay. Um, long story short, Zane, he, she offered me the job. And then we, I mean, we settled everything from start date to salary to um, schedule. And she ended up taking it back. Oh, and that's it, right. I forgot about this. Yeah. So it was this really hard, oh, like, God. Yeah, I mean, I've really wrestled with, okay, God doesn't think I'm worthy of this. Like, I'm not good enough to do ministry. Like, I should have been running from it. Like, I'm definitely going to run from it. 
Mm-hmm. And so I started applying for jobs after that and I did not get any callbacks. I mean, for mm-hmm. like weeks, I didn't have anything. And so my dad was like, well, you can come home and work for me if you want to for just a little bit till you figure it out and you can keep yeah. paying rent. And I was like, okay, well, I have to make money. <laughs> yeah. So I did that and I just got really discouraged, Zane, because I was like, okay, I'm trying to live into the will of God. I'm trying to be obedient. I feel like every step of, I mean, choosing what college I was going to go to, choosing to take that internship, even though it was a fight to get there, I was like, I all I want to do is be obedient to God. And I'm trying to do that, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'm mm-hmm. in this city, don't know very many people. I don't have this job, but I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do next. And I was stuck, like for a lack of better words, like for six weeks, I just like sulked. And I was like, oh. I no one will call me back. I don't even really know what kind of job I want. Like I try to explain it to people. It's like, I had this idea of, you know, I want to be behind the scenes and I want to help people do what mm-hmm. they do better. And I want to empower women and I want to, but mm-hmm. I couldn't really hit the nail on the head of like, this is what I want to do. And so it was just really, really hard. But I picked up this book called I wonder if you've read it. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it's called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. No. no. You haven't? No, oh, I've read, I've read some other Kevin DeYoung, but I haven't. You got to educate me. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it truly is one of those life-changing books that I always want to give to like a 20-something who's stuck and is like, you know, can't find a job. I don't know what I'm doing. This is always my answer. It's like, go read this book. It's really short. But basically, it's this idea of, you know, sometimes we as Christians feel like we're trying so hard. We're either waiting on God or we're trying to figure out what his will for our life is. We're trying to make a decision. And so much of that book is just around this idea of if you're seeking the will of God and you're like pursuing his righteousness and you are or like seeking him and his character and like growing closer to him, you just have to make a decision and just believe that you're in his will. Like you are living into that and he's going to guide you. And there's that. So I was just in this thing of like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to take some step in some direction and trust that God's going to reroute me in that. And I thought about like the book of Jonah like he literally tried to go one way and God sent a fish and ate him and spit him out where he's supposed to be. So I was like, okay, well, if I go the wrong direction, like I know that God's going to meet me there and put me where I'm supposed mm. to be. You'll get spit out. Right. So all that to say, after I read that book, I told my dad I was going back to Nashville and I was just going to take the first job that I could get. And so that first job I got was a job at Tractor Supply. Headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Doing, yes. What were you doing at Tractor Supply? So I was working in their corporate office doing merchandising for uh-huh. the truck tool and hardware division. So like welders and shop backs and Stop. oil and all of this stuff. Uh, okay. So if you're listening right now, you need to pause. And you need to go to our Instagram account and you need to go look at Becca's picture because when <laughs> I see the word tools and hardware, your persona does not for me. Like how awesome would that be if like some like heavy set farmer that works like 
10 hour days out in the sun was like, I want to talk to someone at corporate. And they were like, Hey, uh, we'll, uh, we'll patch you through to our, uh, person who manages product with tools and hardware and they get you like, how awesome yep. would that be? Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right. That would have been me answering the phone, which is hilarious. Okay. okay. All right. So you're at their tractor supplier doing that. Yeah. So I got there today and I was like, Oh, I I feel like I learned just so much. I was there for about 10 months at a time Hmm. and it was a job. And I knew like in a lot of ways, it was really great for me because I could leave work at work and -hmm. I couldn't really do that when I was in ministry. And so it was almost like a break and God was like, okay, I'm going to give you this nine to five. You know, the work's not really going to be fun or interesting to you, but it's going to be a little more restful and like a little bit of a break to just spend time with me and, to heal from a really hard year and all of that. So I, yeah, ended up having to just stick it out. And I learned a ton of stuff in that time, which we can talk more about if you have any questions about it, but it was really good. And then I ended up leaving Charter Slab for a year or two. I worked for a hot second for this real estate company and marketing and I didn't know a single thing about marketing. I I did not know what a click funnel was. I did not know I, I mean you name something I would just smile and nod and be like, yeah, yeah. okay. That's good. Um but then I ended up going to work for Chad who I was babysitting for at the time. So uh-huh. and that's kind of where I've ended up so far. Uh-huh. So here I am. So, so you went from you went from babysitting in his or sorry, was it nanny? Yeah, I would just babysit like date night for them. And I had, I ended up meeting Chad through someone I had worked with at If Gathering. So Hmm. you just never know who you're going to meet. That's crazy. And then, so you make the connection with the family, Chad gets to know you. And then Chad's like, hey, I work for a company called Michael Hyatt and Company. I want you to come be my assistant. And you said yes. And then now we're up to present day. Is it? Is that how it kind of transitioned? Yeah, that's about, I mean, that's, that's the last five years kind of in a nutshell. Wow. So I, I appreciate how much you just outlined with it because I guarantee you there's people who are listening right now that feel the, like, uh, I'm going to call it your tractor supply season. Like Mm -hmm. I know there are people that feel the tractor supply season right now of like, what am I doing? Like, I know, I know I'm like, I have these things that are like my core, like values that I'm, I'm shooting for. Like, I know that I want to contribute this to the world, but I don't know what that looks like. And that I just, I just appreciate the not, not skimming over the, you know, I got a job and then the job got pulled for me. I lost direction and then I found it again. Like I just, I just appreciate that you highlight those things because when we ask people to highlight the roadmaps, they usually only give us like what seems to be the best to add Mm -hmm. to it opposed to like, this was the actual terrain that I went on. Yeah. And you know, one thing thinking about those people who are in that tractor supply season, um, when I, like, I'm not going to give anyone context. Like, I'm going to talk to someone and I'm going to be like, oh, you're in a tractor supply season. And I'm going to be like, what? 
Are you I love what did you say to the tractor supply season yeah so i mean i wrote i definitely wrote down a ton of things while i was in that season of what i was learning mm-hmm. and i kind of made a commitment to myself from the beginning that the moment i said i hate my job was the moment that i lost and i made a commitment to myself that i was never huh. going to say that huh. and that i was going to make the most of that time. And I went from working with all believers to almost no believers. And, mm-hmm. you know, I found myself sitting in that cubicle thinking, okay, what is my purpose here? I don't even know what I'm doing on this computer right now. And I really don't care that much, but what, what am I doing here? And so, you know what I started doing? Yeah, I would get to know and remember as many people's names as I possibly could. Like I got to know the lady who took the trash out every day after work. She would like do circles around all the cubes in the whole building and she would take out people's trash. I got to know her name, where her kids, who, who her kids uh-huh. were, how they were doing. And then I also tried to get to know people like the VPs in the company and yeah get to know their story and I would just pop in their office and ask them how they got where they were. And I learned so much and I met so many cool people and I kind of saw that as like, okay, I've still got to get my job done, but I can know a lot of people and maybe have the chance to like encourage people or something. And after a couple of months, really cool things started happening and people, I started finding myself in these conversations with people who are atheists or agnostic and asking me really hard questions, like really hard. And it really started to be revealed to me of like, you know, nothing, none of this time is wasted. And just because I don't feel like I'm doing a job that, you know, maybe is like my purpose in life that I can still live out like who God made me to be where I am. And yeah, and so that was this super powerful thing for me of, you know, like I make cookies every other Friday. Every single other Friday I made chocolate chip cookies. Uh, and people people you started queuing about it and they would come by my cube and I would meet these people at it and then they'd say, Who did you make chocolate chip cookie girl? And I was like, hey. That's not true. That is not true. It's true. It was so fun. Well, just note it right here in the show. This is this is the epitome of Becca Turner. This is the Becca (laughs) Turner that I met in Nashville because Kara was like, Kara was like, I met someone that you have to meet, and I was like, Kara, you're an Enneagram four. You meet someone every day that I have to meet. But like, like that is like that's so that's just so I joke, but like that is you. Like that very much is you to do that. And that, that built something with people. Yeah. I mean, it was cool just to see the opportunities that God is giving me mm-hmm. and being like aware of that was super powerful. Like I would take lunch breaks and go and sit at Starbucks and journal about what was happening. And it was just really cool. It was really powerful. And I knew, I remember where I was sitting when, I don't want to say I audibly heard God say this, but I did hear him say this. I remember exactly the moment. And he was like, Becca, this is not forever. And I will let you know when it's time for you to leave. Hmm. And I was like, okay. <clears throat> and I feel like I was able to just lean in more where I was because I knew that God was not going to, like, I wasn't, he wasn't going to leave me there, but that mm-hmm. I had purpose in that season. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was really cool. Mm. Wow. 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 Well, 
Okay, so <laughs> but I got a couple more questions that I, I want okay, to throw okay. your way. I don't want to park completely on this, but it's just I, I feel like you've got a space to speak to something here. So here, here's kind of my question. Um, for someone who feels like they're either disappointed that the job that they were hoping for that seemed like they were in their reach and it didn't happen or they can't find it. What, what do you wish someone would have said to you when you were in that place? Cause like, obviously during COVID, like there are people, especially those that are like new in the job market that mm -hmm. feel the weight of that right now. So like, what do you wish people would have, what do you wish someone would have said alongside you while you were experiencing that? I love this question. Oh, actually just wrote out 25 or 25 things I would tell my 21 year old self. Oh, <laughs> we got to talk about this journaling thing. I mean, you are serious. You like oh. rank out journals, like no one's business. Oh man. It's so good. I'm halfway through my journal. I started at the beginning of, uh, all this quarantine, all the feels, all the thoughts, oh, all I in bet. one place. I bet. It's great. It's great. Yep. But I think if I had to go back a couple things, one, you're not stuck. I think I had this anxious fear of whatever decision I made or whatever place I ended up, like I was stuck there. And that's not true. And just given, I think I would have wished for someone to have given me freedom to fail um, I think a lot of anxiety during that season was around, like, I have to make the right choice. And, you know, a lot of it was, I need to be obedient and do what God's calling me to do. And, but also take a job that will, will, um, please my parents and will make people around me proud of me, like all this mm -hmm. stuff. And I would never want to lose a job. Like I can't imagine that. Or like, I would never mm -hmm. want to get somewhere and decided to like it and leave. Or, mm -hmm. But I think just knowing one, that you're not stuck. Um, two that, you know, your first job is not going to be your dream job and that's okay. And that you just never know what kind of doors are going to be open for you. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> you some time with the Lord today. I can tell you are, just, <laughs> you're just letting things fly. Okay. And just to clarify, did you say you made a list of 25 things you wish you would have told your 21 year old self? Yeah, I think it's more of like a perspective of like what I would go back if I could go tell her right now 25 things about her life and like what was going to happen in the next four or five years. That's what I would say. So I read Dang. all those things. Dang. Okay. All right. If you, if there was only one more to share out of that list, because I know, I know if I just breeze past this and move on to the next question, <laughs> someone's going to email me or DM me and be like, you loser. Why? How come you didn't ask her like one of her deals? So like, tell tell me your oh, favorite out of that list. Like, tell me your favorite one that you're like, mm, this is the one that I hold close. I love that. I actually have them in front of me. And oh I'm man, I could hear you even turning the pages. <laughs> I feel like quarantine is synonymous for journaling for you. It's just they're oh, the same. Man. There's so many good things. I feel like I could just. One, only one. I know. Only one. Only one. Only one. I think I would say write it all down. Whoa, and okay. that, which is like, sounds crazy, but it was so healing. It's been so healing for me during that time of like, 
you know, like even all the things that hurt the most, like it was such like the importance of writing um, in that season of life. And like in the past four years have just, I mean, I can't even explain to you how good it's been for me and how healing it's been for me and like mm-hmm. how much closer it's drawn me to the Lord. And, um, you know, it's just kind of given me this more grounded self-awareness of like areas I need to grow in and like, um, just with anxiety, like I kind of struggle with anxiety and have since high school. And that has been something that has really grounded me in really um, hard seasons just to like write down prayers and write down, you know, even just about my day and all this stuff. So I feel like that would probably be the most important because you learn about yourself and you learn about your story and you learn about the purpose that you have on earth. And I'm reading it right now. It's like, I said, write it all down. Even what hurts the most, you'll learn about yourself, your story, the purpose you have on earth, the side of heaven, but most of all, the heart of God and how much he cares about your story. And so, yeah, I think that's probably the best one mm. out of all of it. Mm. And that is, that is a solid thing. Thank you for just being willing to share that just straight out of the journal. Like we didn't, we didn't even talk <laughs> yeah. about doing that piece today, but I'm glad. But uh, Have you ever seen Blue's Clues? Yes. Yeah. Do you I remember when they, when they used to do like the notebook? No, no, shoot. I'm mixing up. Oh, that's embarrassing. I'm mixing up no, Blue's Clues I'm... and Dora together because it was like the song was like that pack, that pack, but there was a notebook <laughs> yeah. in Blue's Clues, wasn't there? There was because you opened it okay. up and you had the purple crayon, remember? Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, you're tracking. Okay, so yeah, that, <laughs> so that's how I visualize and will describe you to people. You're like blues clues. You have your notebook with you and you just drop truth out of it. Oh yeah, well <laughs> I do it <what> I can. <laughs> she has no response for that. She's like, uh, move on. I feel uncomfortable with that. No, um, no. Okay. okay, so here here's something that I know I know some of our listeners would be interested just hear you talk about and you kind of touched on it. Um, but mm-hmm. like with Michael and Hyatt and company, like there's a lot of like there's a lot of exciting things there. Um, that that company's doing a lot of people have heard of if gathering like you've had you've had some neat opportunities um i think i think your story is is always so good for people to hear because things look one way um but when you get in them they always look different um and less shiny not to like degrade either of those groups but to just say like hey understand the reality of Um, you know, something always looks like noble or exciting when, um, you're on the outside of it compared to the inside of it. But what, what insights would you give people who like hear about like groups or companies like that? And they're like, oh man, the dream that you got to do when you left Auburn to do that internship, that's something I would love to do. Like what, what insights would you give people that are, are thinking along those lines? I think that one thing is to not mix up or put together, I want to be able to say this right, to kind of separate the idea of like programs that are put together and ministry and the gospel. And they're two different things. And like sometimes like there are really broken people in ministry, like we're all broken. And I think that when you go into something that you don't know anything about to like the lower expectation you have for other humans who are broken, like the better and to not put them up on 
you know, just to have these unrealistic expectations for people who are of influence in that kind of setting. Like, I think I went in saying like, oh, so-and-so, I want to be just like them. Like, they're perfect. Hmm. And that's so not fair to hold them to that standard. And I ended up getting really hurt because I went in to it with that expectation. So I think that would be one thing. I think one of the things you said earlier was so spot on of like, you never know in every conversation who you talk to, who that person talks to. That That's a huge. Oh, for sure. Well, one thing, when I got to Nashville, I knew the kind of people I wanted to work with. And I knew I wanted to work with the, they call them the do-gooders in Nashville. You know, the people who are like all kind of, if you, you if you live in Nashville, you know what I mean? Like, they all kind of know each other. So I would get coffee with anyone I knew. Like, if I knew a friend of a friend who was a do-gooder in Nashville, I would say, hey, can you get you, – would you want to get coffee and just, like, talk? Huh. And I did that with, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 people over a couple of months, and it was so good. I ended up making really cool connections, and um, one of them ended up being – with Chad and babysitting. I mean, it's just, you have no idea. Like the more people you can get to know, the more people you can share your story with and your heart with, and like, just put yourself out there. Even if you don't feel confident, like that's when people move to new cities, that's the first thing I say to do. Like you have no clue where to start with finding a job. Just start getting coffee with people and just start telling them your heart and telling them that you're looking for a job, hand out your resume, email your resume, Uh you know, just, the more people you know, the better, because you have no idea. Like You really don't know um, what kind of windows God's going to open for you through other people. Oh, that's well said. What What would you say? What would you say to the uh, more uh, uh, introvert um, side of people that are like, <laughs> oh, my Lanta, you want me to do what? You want me to say who? You want me to sit <laughs> down with coffee and like with them? Like what? What would you say to people that are like, oh my goodness, that sounds so intimidating to do that? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think that probably, I think that if you just can, you could, I guess I'm trying to think the best way if you don't want to get coffee, I mean, you could reach out via text mm-hmm. and kind of have this like short elevator speech text of, Hey, Lindsay, my name's Becca. I um, just moved to Nashville and I'm looking for a job like this. And I know you know so-and-so and they think really highly of you. And I just really respect you for the work that you're doing. And I would love for you to pass my resume along. If you know of anyone who is maybe looking to hire an entry-level position, I would love to talk to them. Just please let me know. Um, that's another way that you could do rather than actually getting coffee with them. Cause that is kind of exhausting to get coffee with people you don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Especially for introvert did you, people. Did you have that written down somewhere? That was like, that no. was like beautifully like put together. Was that off the cuff? It was. Oh, well, it was off the cuff. This is what I'm talking about with Becca Turner. Like, I'm going to say this in the intro and outro, but oh my goodness, like that was, that was so beautifully correct. That was like, that was the equivalent of being like, can you come up with a poem right now? And someone was like, I guess I'll try. And then they give this like beautiful sonnet and you're like, oh my, oh my goodness. How? I wish I could do that. No, you did did in your own form, which was that right there. I mean, that was a beautiful, 
that was a beautiful breakdown of how to just break the ice of like, hey, you don't know me whatsoever. <laughs> um, here's how you're yeah. thought of, and here's why I thought of you because of how you're how you're thought of. Like it was just that was just a very beautiful breakdown of how to talk about that. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> another thing with Becca Turner, we always know when we hit the walls, and she's like, "Okay, I'm uncomfortable again. Give me something else." <laughs> so, but I just want to me that that was that I can see that being so helpful. Like, there's even a piece of that that I was like, "Wow, I'm gonna log that back when I'm talking to people with just on a on a need of like." well, how do, how do I word this or how do I say this and approach this with working out of that principle that you talked about of just like, you never know who the person you talk to talks to. Well, and, and think about it, like switch the, um, turn the tables just a little bit and put yourself in their shoes. Well, I don't know if turn the tables is the right term, but if you put yourself in, in their shoes, <laughs> Um, but if you, if you think about it, like, can you imagine if someone texted you and said, Zane, I just want to reach out because I heard all these really great things about you and I just respect you so much and all that. I know you don't know me, but I would just love to like share a little bit about what I'm looking for. You know, if, if they were to just say like, Hey, I don't even, never even met you in my life, but I see the work that you're doing from a distance. I want to be part of something similar to that. I respect you so much. Um, can I have five minutes of your time? Mm. Wouldn't you be like, oh, of course. I um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because people want to be seen and appreciated and understood. And when they feel a little bit of that, they're, they're going to give you a little bit, you know, of like, so-and-so is looking for a job. Yeah. I'm going to refer it. This girl is awesome. She texted me. I've never met her, but she, here you go. Here's your resume. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think that people want to be appreciated in that way no that's yeah that's valid like I've even I've even at times recommended people for jobs that I I have and this may be wrong on my end but like I haven't seen their full work but I've experienced their character and demeanor in a way that I'm like I mean skills are coachable but like there's some Mm -hmm. there's some pieces of like character you can't you can't fake that and someone's like culture and posture that they bring when they enter a room, you can't fake that or learn that. Like that's, that's something that you just have developed in you and God sculpts in you over time. So like even hearing you say that, that just, yeah, that just has a lot of validity. Oh my goodness. Okay. Do you have, you have any other, you just like, you just killed that question. So I just want to make sure if you've got any other things to share I don't put you off in that in that conversation yeah no I think I think we covered it she's like yep I already killed it Uh, (laughs) okay so let's talk about um let's talk about realities because you you are one of the things I appreciate about the first time I met you in every conversation I've seen that um you enter but you also invite people into and it's that you do not avoid talking about reality with people. And uh, I would just, I would love for people to experience a little bit of that. And then also um, just hear your thoughts with it. So like um, major, major life shifting moments over the past five years, um, you know, you had the, you had the job pulled away from you um, that was there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you've kind of you've kind of done a whiplash from Nashville to Austin to Nashville, so you've you've done the realities of transitions. Um, what what other things have you experienced, kind of kind of in the twenty something years that have been, uh, I don't know, life shifting <laughs> moments or like, wow, okay, that was that was formative. I mean, we've talked about before stuff with your mom, so maybe mentioning there, but. What, what other life-shifting things have you experienced so far? Yeah. Um, mm, we're going deep real quick. Girl, you're um, living deep. You're well, a four. Like, I, I have to I do. My, like, big boy pants on. When I when I interview a four, I'm like, okay, we're going to go deep in the feelings. Like. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. I love it. I do live in my feelings, which was so fun when I met Carolina because instantly, I mean, I just met her five minutes in. We were already like having this deep conversation about, um, you know, like life and really hard realities like that. So that was really a gift, but I can start with, um, my mom. So earlier this year, I guess it was in December, um, she was actually diagnosed with breast cancer and it ended up being this really scary few weeks um, as the week before Christmas. Um, and I had randomly flown home in the middle of the week and um, she ended up sharing that with me. And it was just like really, really shook my world. Um, and we, I was really thankful for a million reasons, but um. I was able to be with her over Christmas break and for a couple weeks into January when we waited to see if she would have to have chemo and she ended up having surgery and they removed it all and she didn't have to have chemo and she had radiation. But in the midst of that, I got, I met Carolina and she shared a little bit of her story with me too. And that was really special just to, um, she, I mean, her friendship was such a testament of God's faithfulness to me and I'm pretty sure I shared this with her. Hopefully she'll just listen to it later. But um, kind of an overarching thing when people ask me, Becca, what did you learn about that really hard season? Like so much of it was such a blur and it was really scary. And I was just so, I was so fearful of losing my mom. Like just at the end of the day, I was just like, couldn't imagine living without her. And um, we're super, super close. Um but if I look back on that season and how it shifted my perspective of God, I feel like I would say that um, he has, he is just so faithful and he's gone before me and prepared the way long before um, I know anything's going to happen. And long before I knew that happened with my mom, a friend of mine called me and she said, Becca, I just want to share this thing with you that I learned. And I was like, okay. Wow. And she said, you know, the book in the Bible or the story in Bible about Zacchaeus. Have I shared this with you before? I don't know if I've shared this. Anyway, um, but she was talking about Zacchaeus and she said, Becca, you know how he climbs up in the tree so you can get a closer look at Jesus. I want you to think about that tree. God planted that tree for Zacchaeus a long, 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 long time before he actually needed it. And I'm sure he walked by it like day in, day out. and was like never thought anything about that tree but little did he know that he would eventually need it and so she really challenged me to look for those trees in the midst of a season where I was like having a really hard time being grounded like I was so 
for lack of a better word, I was just all over the place. I had no clue what to think about God, about myself, about the future. I was just numb mm-hmm. and afraid. And I was waiting to hear if my mom was really sick or she's going to have to have chemo and lose her hair. Like I had no idea. So I started counting those trees and realizing like all of these things. I mean, I had an incredible community in Nashville of friends who just showed up out of nowhere. And that had been built over the past two or three years. I had this job that allowed me to work remote so that I could be with my mom as much as I wanted to be with her and just work from there. You know, I had, I mean, stuff like that. I just kept seeing and God was like, I want you to know, like you have enough and I've already gone before you and I've prepared the way. And even that conversation with Carolina, she was like sharing a little bit of her story and I was, and her story is different from mine, but I was able to look at her and see that the faithfulness of God in her life and the trees that, she, that had been planted in her life. And I was able to, God kind of spoke through her to me of like, I've got you, mm-hmm. like I see you and I've give, I've already provided what you enough of what you need for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really whew, just hard. That was probably like the hardest thing this year that we've had to walk through, yeah. but it's been so redemptive because now like, I feel like God's like, okay, now you just get three months with your mom just to hang out. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's been really sweet. Yeah. There's just so much of a, of a, I mean, it's a gift right now of just how much you get to spend with her to be able to to be in it. What, um, yeah. What would you, what would you recommend, you know, now that you've, you've been in it, you've lived through it. What, what would you recommend with such a, I mean, you know, and this, this feeling at the core that you experience with your mom of just this like whole reality shift of like the dynamics going to be different. There's some anxiety that got introduced. Um, Y'all's way of life is going to be different. Time is more important now than forever. Like people, people experience that in all sorts of forms. Um, And there's a little bit of shock that happens in the beginning. Um, Now that you've been on the other side of it, what, what would you say to someone who's experiencing just a like, um, like, like you can even keep it in, in, in the realm of what you experienced? Like, what, what do you, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself um, in the midst of just the shock of that reality kind of turning? I mean, the tree, the tree pieces, yeah, example of that. Yeah, I think that I wish I could go back and tell myself to like not try to force my, this, I don't know, like, it's almost like in the middle of it, I had this perception of what, like, I would tell people, and they would cry, and I wouldn't cry, and I almost felt shame for not being able to show emotion, I don't know, so I think it was really interesting, because I would just get upset at at different times, and I think having grace with yourself, uh, grace for yourself, and, like, all kinds of weird stuff happens when you go through shock like that and you get weird, scary news and like you are, you lose your appetite and your body is weird and all this stuff. And I think just the more careful and gentle you can be with yourself, the better. And to just give yourself the freedom to like feel those emotions whenever they come and whatever they are and to not pressure yourself to like either have it all together or to fall apart when people expect you to fall apart and you don't like everyone's wired differently. Uh 
I think that, yeah, just not giving into that other people's expectations of how you should be responding to the situation. Yeah. That would probably be, that would probably be the, one of the I biggest think things. That's huge. And I, I don't, I don't think, you know, just even hearing you say that a lot, I don't think people, I don't think people have told, been told they have permission to be able to not feel what they should socially obligationally feel at the time. Like it almost brings mm-hmm. on shame or hiding of like, like I even think of like the people that I walked through that experienced divorce with their parents. And, you know, like I, I've sat across tables from people that um, when the divorce gets announced, um, they go kind of numb or uh, they go resentful. And people are like, oh, aren't you so sad? And it's hard for them because they're like, no, that's not that's not actually the dominant emotion that I feel right now. But there's a real inner wrestling of like, well, should I be feeling what other people are vocalizing that they're feeling? Or like, should I embody what feelings people transfer to me? Um, I just, I just think you said that really well of just, there's like, there's no obligation to feel one certain thing because that's how other people are reacting. Yes. That's so good. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's, you just really, you honestly have no idea how you're going to respond in that situation. You have to give yourself grace. Like you can prepare yourself all day long for like, Oh, if I get this terrible news, how am I going to react? But you just really don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's totally okay. But you have given yourself permission to feel the feels. We always talk about that in our friend group. Like, like you get to be sad and just say like, you get to be sad today. Mm Like you get to. Mm. Can you talk? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how your journaling piece has helped through that season? Like, because that's a. I, I think you said earlier that's been a major like engaging in your spirituality. Like, how how has that piece help help bring brought you along? Yeah. So that. Oh man, I love writing things down. I mean, it is like so. It's such a spiritual thing for me, for sure. But I think a cool thing about it is it exercises different parts of your mm. brain and it helps you really become grounded, especially in situations like mm. that. Like um, there's all kinds of therapy behind it. Like if you're in shock like that and you sit down with a pen and paper and you write like how your feet feel in your shoes right now, like even mm. that, it, it can bring you back down yeah. or like what, what you smell, like what you feel, like the textures in the room, like describe something, describe an object. Like that can be something that can be really therapeutic for you. That's one piece of it. I think, yeah. That was like, that was like a very in-depth, like, wow. Yeah. I've I've just never heard that perspective on journaling. Like to even just, even just to journal how your feet feel in your shoe. Wow. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that piece of it. Like I'll do that. I like to make lists a lot of times, like, if I don't feel like really journaling, then I'll make a list of here are the things that happened today. And then I get to go back and look and go, oh, wow, like today was really good or it was really hard or here's where I saw God move today or here's what he provided for me on this walk or with this really good lunch my mom made or this cup of coffee that I got to drink in the quiet by myself this morning. Like even if it's just quick. And I think that for a lot of people, it's really hard to journal because it looks like this big daunting thing of like I want to make this my I don't know people are like oh it's your diary you talk about what you did today like that it doesn't have to be that like it can be whatever you want and if you're stuck in this place and you want to start writing but you don't know how and it feels like a lot 
then my advice would be, you know, like no rules. Rules are off the table. Like have no expectation for yourself. Write one time today or one time this week and write a little paragraph of some something that you feel about something or, you know, describe something or write down the things you're grateful for. But if you can just throw the rules out the window, it makes it so much more life-giving. Mm. Opposed to I have to rigorously check in on these things or write this amount or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you say I'm going to write every day for this month, like that just becomes like just not fun anymore. Yeah, got the legalism <laughs> of it. Yeah. Yeah. And just make it more of like a grounding healing mm-hmm. escape for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to use different prompts. So you can find them on the internet, but I have a list yeah, I can tell, tell use that I yours, love. Like tell us like one or two of them. That's like really good. <clears throat> like, oh, oh gosh, if you want to get really deep, if you want to be like a four, one of the prompts I read today was, <laughs> was describe a room in your childhood home and describe what happened there. And like, was it good? Was it hard? If you could go back, I mean, all like describe what the paint is on the wall, who was in that room, describe a story about it. I mean, I was like, holy cow. Yikes. That would be so cool. Oh, man. You, know? you are joking. Wow. <laughs> I know. So there's, you could go deep like that, or it can be like yeah. write a letter to your 21 year old self, or, you know, like if you could say, if your dog could talk, what do you think he would say? I don't know. Just it exercises your brain to think all kinds of different ways. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got a question for you. And sorry if this is a weird way of phrasing it, but like, could you <laughs> tell them like a prediction or a hypothesis of like, if you spend the next year or two journaling, then your guess would be they would blink. Like, like what? What would you say to just someone that's like, okay, I know I need to, I know, I know I need to get in this. I know I need to do this. What would be your guess of like, hey, if you did, if you did this for six months or if you did this for a year, I bet your awareness would heighten or um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're the one, you're the one who has been pouring into this. So what, what would be your guess, your prediction, your hypothesis for people that are like, okay, all right, if I jump in and I do this. Becca Turner is not guaranteeing me anything, but I would project that X would happen. Well, so one thing I like to do every time I turn a different year older, I like make, so when I turned 25, I wrote 25 things I saw God do in the past year. And so I would read through my whole journal from the year before and I would write like the main big events that happened. And so I had a list of 25 things that like summed up my whole year. And it just left me with this sense of gratitude and like seeing where I, like, I mean, I went through this major breakup a couple of months ago, like almost a year ago. And that would be on my list for this year. And like my mom getting cancer and like COVID-19. It's like, whoo, this is a doozy <laughs> <Yeah>. of a year. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh gosh, but I'm so grateful because I could all I could hold that up, but I could also hold up the ways that God's been faithful and answer these prayers that I've journaled as well. And I'm able to see like tangible results of those hours that I like poured over writing these tangible letters mm-hmm. to God of 
Like I'm in this desperate place. I need you to heal my mom. I need you to heal my mom. I need you to heal my mom. And that was all I could do. That's all I could pray. And I have that written in my journal so many times. And I think that it really did give me this awareness of God's faithfulness and that he hears my prayers. And um, yeah, it, they, it just feels so much more real to me in that way. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think it'll do that for you if you do that for two years. I think you'll be able to see the big rocks that we call them, yeah. you know, of what God's doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just like the tracking, like even as I hear you say that, I'm like, wow, you can really track like the flow, like if you were to put your life on a graph of like the highs and lows, it's not a, it's not an exponential up and to the right. Like it's very much a, we got highs and lows happening at the same time. We've got like, it it makes me go back to how, you know, scripture says we hold, um, you know, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We grieve with those who grieve. And the reason those two get paired together is because life holds both of them. Um, like that seems like journaling would just be really rich for like tangibly we can, we can look back and identify how joy and grief were next to each other. Oh gosh. Yes, for sure. Hmm. For sure. For sure. I love that. Ooh, okay. So Becca Turner, the four dropping all the journal just on us today, <laughs> feeling the feels. We coined a new phrase, tractor supply season. Um, that's going to show up everywhere and people are going to be really upset because they're like, I don't know why he keeps bringing up tractor supply. So I just, I, I appreciate so much just the transparency of just kind of telling people the way, the way things have unfolded that has been so big. And just honestly, I, I just really enjoyed your words with what you've said with journaling and also on the, um, just reaching out to people that you don't even know. Like that's a, like that was just a real, like very helpful nugget just as a whole that I think people don't, don't think about a ton, but, um, all right. So, so last question to ask you, it's the question that we always ask, which is, uh, what are you on to next in life? Like what, what's the thing you're moving towards? Is there something that you're super excited about? Is there a next project you're starting up? Yeah. So I love this because I feel like it's so in line with like these conversations that we've been having. And I've kind of told you about this already when you came to Nashville, but I, as soon as all this COVID-19 stuff kind of slows down, I'm hoping to build this group of young professional women in Nashville to kind of come together and share ideas around this whole kind of conversation of, what the heck are we doing with our jobs? And how do we ask for a raise at work? How do we mm-hmm. know if we're supposed to move on to the next thing? How do we have hard conversations? You know, like, are we really living into who God made us to be? I'm really, really pumped because, yeah, I'm just, I just feel like this is something God's calling me to. And I'm excited to invite women who are, you know, a little further along than we are to kind of come in and pour into us and just create space for that. And so, yeah, who knows what it's going to be um, and when we'll actually get to meet because of all this weirdness happening. But that is probably the thing I'm most excited about. And, and remind me, because I've heard you talk about this vision before, your your ideal would be to gather this group of women together in kind of the young adult stage of life and then bring in like voices to speak to it on different topics. Is that, 
Is that right? Is that a part of the vision? Yes. Yes. I think it's a joke. Yes. And this idea of having these women almost like in a panel of like sharing their story and saying things like, of course, go work at Tracker Supply. You know, like sharing (laughs) a story like that of, it's not the end of the world if you take a job that you don't feel like you're like super passionate about because here are the reasons how it can help you grow professionally and personally and all of that. So yes, bringing in, I like feel like I selfishly need it, <laughs> which I'm like, I can someone please point to me and like mentor me professionally because I really would love some direction with what I'm doing in life too, because half the time I have no idea, but I do feel like I have a little bit of a nugget to offer just with what we've talked about. So that's kind of what's been nudging me towards this. So awesome. I love, I love that vision. And I mean, that's something you and I connect over because um, we both kind of have a little bit of that on our hearts of like, it's, it's very hard to navigate the 20 somethings into the 30 somethings years. Like we, we spend a lot of time in school learning about, what's it going to be like? We watch, you know, people do family. Um, but like, there's just mm-hmm. not a lot of conversation in between those two things. And that's right. Th- that's, that's very formative years of like major decisions to make that we don't always get. It is. Mm-hmm. And you feel it's, it's so easy to feel like this is a race. Yeah. And it's almost like you're being left behind and that's not true, you know, and you see your friends excelling in their career. Maybe you're not. And just, you know, trying to navigate this whole idea of, am I doing the right thing? Like I'm 23 and I'm still a barista. Is that okay? Like what, what am I, you know? And I think that there's such need for that, for just that there are people like you talked about who are really passionate about 20 somethings and want to pour into them and feel like they have something to offer, but don't have a way to get to them and have no idea how to like start that conversation. And so I'm with you with like wanting to create create space for that and provide resources for that. Mm. So Mm. I love it. So good. Awesome. 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 Hey, if someone, if someone wants to follow you, where, where do they go to follow you? You're on Instagram, right? I am. My Instagram is, I think it's Rebecca HT underscore. Okay. That's me. All right. That's you. And then are you still running the enlightened podcast as well? I am. I am. It's just conversations about, yeah, being a 20 something right now we're doing a series on life in quarantine. Yep. Yep. There it is. is. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Well, thank you for thank you for being willing to just drop the journal on us today. That Oh, that absolutely. Really it's such an honor. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me to come on your absolutely. podcast. This has been so fun. All right, peeps. This about wraps up this episode of the Onto Something podcast with Beck and Turner. We want to go ahead and just say one, thank you for listening to please subscribe to make sure that you uh, still get updates of each episode that's coming out. And lastly, we want to let you know that we have an email list and the email list is basically the way in which we give you more things about how to be equipped to navigate the first third of life. We try to provide some previews 
Uh, we try to give helpful tips. If any one of our guests makes recommendations, we also try to record it in there. So in order to make sure that you don't miss any of the action that's coming up or next week's guest, make sure that you go to our Instagram bio and you can click on a link to be able to add your email to there. Until next time, friends, may you remember that you're on to something. <laughs>